You're listening to Knowing Faith, a podcast of Training the Church. This is Kyle Worley, and I'm joined by my co-hosts today, Jen Wilkin and JT English. And on today's episode, we asked the question, how do you read the Bible? Uh, and this is a uh, question that Jen Wilkin um, has written a lot about and talked a lot about, and we're all passionate about together. So we have a lot of fun kind of catching up, um, talking about mouth exercises. That's a thing on this episode. Uh, and just trying to provide some really helpful practical tips for how you can read the Bible effectively and why you shouldn't quit your Bible reading plan that you just started at the beginning of this year. We hope you enjoy the discussion. Okay, JT, you were talking about how your mouth feels a little bit tired, a little bit stuck. Yeah, you, you were saying that this morning you thought you should have done mouth exercise. Do you ever feel like you wake up in the morning, you're like, you're, the rest of your body or your brain is moving faster than your mouth and you need to like stretch? Yeah, your, always on Tuesdays. Yeah, mm-hmm. Always on Tuesdays. Yeah, because that's what I got to teach. Don't you feel that way on Sunday? Yeah, I feel like my mouth locks up about Sunday at 10.30 mm-hmm. a.m. Yeah. Right, right when I'm about right. to preach. That's, it's like, oh man. In all seriousness, do you guys ever, like before you teach or preach, like... Wow. Wow. Yeah, stuff wow. like that. No. Okay. Never. <laughs> Whoa. Never. For the record, that was Jen. I, um, I just... Uh, was it? I, I usually end up... Um, before, like, wh- like while I'm trying to get ready and kind of get amped up for it, I end up just singing whatever song is in my head. Rocky, usually. No, no, no. But oh. you were playing something when I got in here that didn't even sound like music to me. Uh, well, I'm not your gonna musical s- taste. I'm is not going to sound. The, I'm not going to say the name of the artist now because that would probably hurt their feelings. <laughs> They'd be like, "Wow, Jen Wilkin doesn't think I'm even qualified as music." <laughs> Um, but it was the like six months ago, uh, I, I had been in a Parks and Rec binge and I was getting ready to teach and all I could do, like while I was trying to get ready, like in my head to go up there and teach was here. Bye bye little Sebastian. Yeah. So I was just mouthing it. I was like, bye bye little Sebastian. You know what I'm saying? And that helps you warm up for preaching. It doesn't, but it, no, it was trying to get just my tongue loose is what it was. Hmm. You don't. You, you just did like a weird wow sound. <laughs> That's actually a way to warm up your vocal cords. Singing "Little Sebastian." I feel like for <laughs> so. Let me clarify. For me, it's not warming up my vocal cords. It's like it feels like my lips, I like my mouth. I can't connect like my brain yes. to my mouth. Is That's the way what it I'm feels saying. For me. Oh, I feel like I'm searching for words. Mm. And so, what we need is like a mouth CrossFit program, something like that, like we'll functional fitness. If there was one, I promise you, JT That's would do so it. So offensive. And it would have like two hours. Yeah, a day. no, there would, there would be a huge there would be a huge audience doing it. That's really offensive. Well, you're a CrossFit guy. Uh, I've never told you that. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> That's not true. I've, I've, I've been in your garage, which is, which is a gym. It's a gym. That's right. It's a gym. I, I, I can't even park a car in my garage. That's what kind of car do you have, Kyle? Don't. What, whoa, are you throwing shade on my Honda Civic? Is that what you have? It's a reliable car. It's one of the most reliable cars in the world. It is, it is a very reliable car. Thank you, JT. If you drive a Honda Civic For and you're a fan of the show, schoolers. you can tweet me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hashtag Civic Faith or something. I don't know. <laughs> okay. We probably ought to jump into this. Oh. Um, uh, this is, uh, hey, guess what? We are now in, I don't know if this is technically season two of Knowing Faith or season three of Knowing Faith, but here's, here's what's happening. 
We are moving to weekly format, and uh, this is the second week of that weekly format. We released our first episode of this new format on January 31st with Julie Wilding, and now, today, we're talking about how to read the Bible. Now, um, uh, my colleague, Jen Wilkin, has really no interest Zero in this topic. <laughs> so, uh, we, we set, we've set a timer on Jen, <laughs> because this is... I can do it. I can be self-controlled. From, like, uh, probably from the beginning of this show, she was like, hey, uh, Kyle, could we work in a How to Read the Bible episode? And I'm like, I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. So we're now we're 30 episodes <laughs> in. And I sent an email that was like, Jen, you have your episode, How to Read the Bible. So a lot of people have started uh, Bible reading plans to kick off the year. And so I felt like this would be a good topic for us to address right now because this is kind of for a lot of people, these four to six weeks, they're like, this is, they're going to make or break it, mm-hmm. right? And so they're thinking, man, what am I going to do with Bible reading? How am I going to do this year? And so let's just start off with some quick volleys. What do you think about Bible reading plans, Jen? I love them. Yeah? Yeah, I love them. I think some of them are laid out better than others, and some of that has to do with personal preference or what you've done in the past, which one you choose to do. But um, they're great. They are a a high-level view of the Bible. They help you get the whole thing in front of you. Honestly, that's something that in our Bible studies we're, we're not doing. We're taking such a deep dive mm-hmm. that we're going to only look at, you know, uh, one book at a time really closely. I was looking at your really nice bag and hit my head on the microphone. Hey, eyes over here. Yeah, yeah Jen. That's uh, good. Yeah, so, so reading plans are great, They but they move really fast. So as long as you understand what a reading plan does mm-hmm. versus what, you know, other forms of reading or study you're doing, it is a really useful tool. And if you've never done a reading plan, you should definitely consider putting that on your list of things to do. Yeah. And there's, I mean, and there's so many of them because if we started like, oh, we're going to recommend Bible reading plans, there'd be no end to it because there's so many good ones Yeah, and they're so kind of situated. Yeah. Right. So I've done a Bible reading plan twice in my life. I did it almost right after I came to faith. It's just 12, 13 years ago now. It was my, it was Macy, my mom and myself. We just went through, it was three chapters a day, five on Sundays, cranked through it. I'm doing it again this year for the first time. And I'm just, or for the first time in over a decade, I'm loving it. Mm -hmm. There's an app that I'm using. Uh, This is not a promotion for them, but I just have loved it. It's it's the Read Scripture app. It's an app you can download on your phone. Uh, I'm not reading it on my phone because I like having the like the, the physical text in front of me, but it just keeps me on track. And here's some that's awesome. If you're a fan of the Bible Project, they use the Bible Project videos whenever there's like a topic that uh, the Bible Project has addressed. So like, for example, I mean, you're obviously in Genesis at the mm-hmm. beginning of the year and they have like, their, like if you get to uh, the Abrahamic covenant the, on that app, it'll have you watch a video on the Abrahamic covenant. Oh, that's where the covenant really cool. So it's reorienting you to the, to the larger story of what God is doing, helping you kind of dive into the story. It also allows you, it gives like when you scroll through, there's a point at which it tells you, okay, so you're going to read a psalm. Take a minute. Take a few deep breaths. Yeah. Meditate on God's word. Like mm-hmm. it's just, oh, I like that. it's been so refreshing to me where it's not like, okay, I got to get my Bible open and just crush through three chapters. Right. It's really been, uh, I would say, a time of res- restoration, renewal, just kind of reorientation for me. And sure. I've just loved it. That's awesome. Yeah, my wife and I are using, um, there's this uh, journal called the CBR journal and it's a Bible reading journal. Um, and uh, it's essentially two chapters a day. And it's the point of it is not to like read through the Bible in a year Mm -hmm. or whatever, but it's just a prayerful reading of scripture, ask some really good questions about who God is, and then kind of walks you through responding to that. So it's really focused, Jen, I think you'd appreciate that. It's really focused on like looking at the passage and going, what does this passage say about God? Love it. And then walking you through some prayerful exercises around that. And it has been hugely helpful for us. Um, 
uh, I, I want to maybe, do you, do you have a recommendation before I go on? Or you're like, listen, just find a Bible reading plan and go with it. Well, I think my recommendation would be if you haven't done one before, I, I personally would not start with one that bounces from the Old Testament to the New Testament and the Psalms, because okay. I think most of us are already a little disoriented with how, how the Bible is laid out, and that can increase your sense of disorientation. Uh, but I would say probably start with either a chronological reading plan or one that goes straight through. Yeah, I think that's super helpful. That's a great place to start. So, okay, so somebody's doing a Bible reading plan. And I want us to ask some questions that may help them along the way, mm-hmm. okay? Or if they're not doing a Bible reading plan, I want these questions to maybe prompt some people to go, you know what? I can read the Bible mm-hmm. and I should read the Bible. Mm-hmm. So let's start with what seems like maybe the like 30,000 feet. What is the Bible? Like, w- what is it? Yeah, I mean, uh, it is, uh, this sounds simple, but it's God's word. I mean, something that I just want to remind myself of regularly when I open the Bible or others is that this is God who did not need to reveal himself revealing himself. Mm-hmm. Right. And that is, uh, certainly we want to think of salvation as the gracious actions of God on our behalf, but to make himself known and to make his acts known and who he is known is incredible. Like this isn't just mm-hmm. some kind of a, an, an additional book that we ought to read for wisdom. This is the one true God of the universe whom we were at enmity with, making himself known to us. And it is a text that this is, we taught on this in the training program a few weeks ago. Sometimes I think we think about the Bible as God breathed, which, which is exactly what the Bible says mm-hmm. it is. It is God's authoritative word, but it's also God breathing. One of the things Boving says is it's God's ongoing rapport between heaven and Ooh, earth. That's yeah. nice. Yeah, and yeah, I love yeah. that. And so when you desire to meet with God and be in communion with God, it is the communication from God that elicits or brings about communion with God. Right. And it's, it's how we hear from God. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's the, one of the principal ways that we hear from God is his spirit speaking through his word. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and and uh, I think the answer you gave, JT, is, is, is excellent in terms of uh, that quote from, you said Carl Barth. It was Bovink. Bovink. Um, oh, sounded, please. A little different. You knew he was going to quote Bovink. <laughs> yeah. He loves him. Um, Somebody gave me Bovink socks. Mm-hmm. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, that's super nerd level. Yeah, they're to awesome. match your t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> and the posters on the wall and the bumper stickers and, I'm and reading, the coffee mug. It's and, fine. My, I have pugs on my socks and my t-shirts. Yeah. So. Well, um, I don't know which one is better or worse. Um, uh, but when we come to the Bible, it's also easy for us to forget. It's also a book. Right. right. Like it's, it's literature. And it's it, it, there's a variety of forms that it takes. Different genres. genres. Right. Right. Yep. right. So it's a collection of books. Yeah. So right. what, what the, the, the theological term for that is canon. Right. It's a canon of books. And so Jen, how is, um, how is that helpful for people as they're reading the Bible to go like, yes, the Bible is inspired by God. It's the, it's the, it's breathed out by God, mm-hmm. but it's being breathed out by God. It's our ongoing rapport between God and us. It's how we hear from God. But it does take some unique forms. Hey, this might not be helpful, but I want you to answer that, Jen, because I think it's a super important question. But can I just say one thing related to the question you're asking that was helpful for me? If you're listening to this and maybe some of the characteristics of the Bible are confusing to you, I want to just create two categories for our listeners. The the nature of the Bible is what I was just talking about. It is God's word and it, it uh, it it is like a... Uh, it's status. It mm-hmm. is God breathed and it is God breathing. What we're talking about now is like the characteristics of the Bible mm-hmm. that flow from its nature, mm-hmm. whether we're talking about authority or canonicity. Mm-hmm. So for me, that was uh, confusing for some time, yeah. but now that's been really helpful for me. So we just said it is God's word. Now it is 
mm-hmm. canonized. Well, and I would even back up from that and point out, so we live in, a, in an age of multimedia and we are accustomed to receiving uh, information in many different forms, like podcasting is a, is a way that people are receiving information. Movies are a way that people learn or grow or, uh, and, and it's important for us to understand that God could have delivered his revelation in any medium he chose. And when he chose a medium, he chose words on mm-hmm. a page. Right. Um, and, and obviously there is an oral tradition associated with this too, but it's, it's based on words that were on a page somewhere. And so when we think about honoring the way that something is communicated to us, then there is implicit in that, that we would strive to read this book the way that it was intended to be, um, to be read. We don't, we don't sit down and read other books or listen to, you could come and listen to this podcast, hoping to learn about classical music and you would be disappointed. We have used this medium in a particular way for a particular purpose. And so it's good for us to think, you know, like, Sometimes I'll hear people say, oh, there's a new Christian movie coming out and people are finally going to understand the gospel when they watch it. Well, they, they might. I mean, I'm not saying that they, they can't do that, but, but the clearest revelation of the gospel and of who God is is going to be found in the scriptures. Yeah. Um, and the genres will be a, a derivative work, right? And the genres that that scripture takes on, whether it's narrative yeah. or it's poetry, or it's the letters that we find in the New Testament, mm-hmm. these genres are kind of um, the different ways that that medium is presented, right? right? So it's it's kind of uh, different kinds of seasoning almost in right. the whole meal that the Bible is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think about sometimes how uh, most people that I encounter, their biggest frustrations with reading the Bible is when they try to read the Bible in a way that the Bible is not asking them to read it in that genre. Yeah, And they're like super frustrated because they're like, well, why can't I get this set of things from this genre? Uh, and it's like, well, it actually, it does that in a very different way. Yeah. Right? And so, I mean, the classic example of this is um, Proverbs, right? right? The train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And, um, you know, m- parents claim that. They're like, I want that. I'm going to train up the child and then the Lord will be sure that my child does not leave the faith. It's right. kind of the way that gets communicated to people. And it's an example of, of a genre misunderstanding that yeah. that's a principle. It's not a promise. Right. And uh, it can cause a lot of heartache. I think people don't realize how much um, heartache or doubt can come into their faith when they're not um, thinking about just the way that the text is written. And I know that the word, even the word genre sounds so like she, she, but it really just means, Hey, look at the way that this is written and, and then read it according to the way that it is intended to be read. And I think our current, um, ecosystem around reading the Bible is I read it on my own terms. Right. And, uh, we wouldn't really do that with any other thing that we read. Sure. You know, you don't read Shakespeare on your own terms. Right. You, you go, well, oh, he's writing. And we even, we've even spent a lot of time trying to figure out why he put as many um, syllables as he did in any particular line of, of what he's written. Right. And, and so when we come to the Bible, why wouldn't we treat it with at least the same amount of care that we give to the works of Shakespeare? It's far more important. Sure. Yeah. So that so talking about what the Bible is, but wh- why would we read the Bible at all? And that may seem for somebody mm-hmm. like a, like maybe a listener to this is like, well, of course you'd read the Bible. You're supposed to read the Bible. But why do we actually encourage people to read the Bible? 
I think I'd give at least two answers to that. Uh, referring back to what we tried to say earlier, it's revelation. Mm. Uh, our world tells us that there's a lot of ways of knowing true things, whether it's through our reason or whether it's through kind of experience or through intuition that we could know God through, like just intuitively. It's a big part of kind of new age mysticism that mm. God is in us. One of the things that the Christian faith absolutely must reclaim in the 21st century is the category of revelation. Yeah. Knowledge of God is revealed knowledge, mm-hmm. period. We read the Bible because God is making himself known, period. I think the second is, is it's is the it, it's the primary way that God grows his children right. into maturity. Mm-hmm. That cannot be overstated enough. It is the primary way that God has, in his sovereignty, in his kindness and in his grace, said this is the tool that my spirit is going to use to grow fruit-bearing Christians. I think it was D.L. Moody who said, so few grow because so few study. Mm. This is the text that God has given us so that we might be conformed into the image of Christ. We read it because the spirit uses it to transform us by the renewal of our minds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I often say to you that Bible reading is one of the principal ways that we get to commune with God. Mm-hmm. Like when somebody's like, what does my relationship with God actually mean? Well, I say, well, well, one of the biggest things that it means and one of the biggest ways to cultivate it is spending time in God's word. Mm-hmm. It's one of the ways that we're invited. I know that you've, on the podcast, we've talked about um, the importance of seeing God as triune because mm-hmm. that's the God that we're related to. And reading the Bible is one of the best ways that we're invited into Trinitarian fellowship yeah. because it's the father speaking preach through the son yes. by the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and we enter into understanding God's word right. by the power of the spirit in the son, hearing the voice of the father. That's right. And so when somebody's like, well, Trinitarian fellowship sounds like something way too nebulous to enter into. I often say, well, actually it's just a prayerful reading of God's word. That's, That's right. one of the principal ways that we enter in mm-hmm. to Trinitarian fellowship is reading God's word prayerfully. That's right. One, I like that you've pointed out that it's relational. It's a mechanism for relationship because I think that one of the issues we have with reading the Bible is we want it to be the best and easiest relationship mm-hmm. ever. Right. You know, like it's God and he wants me to know him. So if I just flip open to a passage, he's going to speak to me because he wants to tell me about himself. And um, I would say you don't have any relationship with anyone where uh, every time you get together and talk with them, you have some deep insight and want to hug and cry, right? right? And so when we think about reading the Bible, we should think about it sort of in, in terms of the way any relationship goes is that you have a lot of quantity time with someone and then you have moments of quality time that are a product of that quantity time and I think Bible reading is the same way like it, you, you should not expect that every single time you sit down to read the, to read the Bible you're going to have a profound insight that shapes the rest of your day week or month yeah, yeah. because there's a long term thing that's happening here and not only that but it's not a relationship between equals it's, mm. it's a relationship between a parent and a child. And if anyone, I mean, you may not have children, but you've been the child and you think about your three-year-old self having a conversation with a parent and the parent is wanting to express affection, give instruction um, and develop just those- Repeat themselves. Repeat themselves, yeah. right? Yeah, and, and, and yet you have obstacles to receiving the message just simply because you are a 
child mm-hmm. and not a full adult. And, and so yeah, I, I love, I love it when you talk about uh, like debit and yeah. we, I think that's so helpful here. I do think that the prevalent approach to the Bible today is the debit account approach. It's, ooh, I'm going to get up and you know, Jesus got up early in the morning. So I'm going to get up early in the morning and I've got 10 or 15 minutes that are carved out and I need to get my, my little um, withdrawal from the Bible that's going to get me through the day. And we put the debit card in and we have our time in the word and we pull it out and then we go through our day and we do the same thing the next day and the day after that. Uh, and, you know, we live in an instant gratification culture. Mm-hmm. And so this appeals to us and it sounds reasonable because everyone wants to give us a bite-sized daily dose of whatever in, in the quickest manner possible. But the Bible doesn't come to us on our terms. It comes to us on God's terms. And it's better for us to think about it as a savings account uh, where we get up each day and we say, all right, I'm going to do this day's portion. If you're in a reading plan right now, I mean, what are we, we're in February, so you're probably hitting Leviticus or Chronicle, you know, some right. of the less um, devotional areas of the Bible. And you're wondering, why am I doing this again? And the reason is because you're not taking the debit account approach. You're not asking it to yield up something to you in the moment. You're saying, I'm going to make a faithful deposit today and tomorrow and the day after, knowing that it's going to yield a a, a, a benefit at some point in the future that I don't get to say when that is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's another, and, and, and I shouldn't need need to or want to. And I know like you guys have gone through some hard times and how often is it that in that dark night of the soul, something that you oh, have man. been depositing into that account for years suddenly comes into play for you? Because, mm-hmm. you know, if you start trying to read the Bible when you're in crisis, mm-hmm. that's not going to go well. You're not going to study the Bible when when it's wheels off in your life. Mm-hmm. That's when you got to draw on that savings account. Yeah, that's right. It's good. Sure. What bridge is God calling you to cross that the gospel might go forth among the nations? Women like Lilia Trotter, Harriet Newell, and Sarah Hall Boardman Judson have indeed crossed their own bridges to get to the lost. Discover the stories of 10 inspiring female missionaries who changed the world for Christ. 10 Women Who Changed the World is seminary president Daniel Aiken's powerful tribute to these women who fulfilled the Great Commission. May we all follow in their footsteps. 10 Women Who Changed the World is available wherever books are sold. Have you ever wondered what is God's heart towards you? In this noisy world, God's heart beats hard with love and mercy. But how can God share his heart with us when he doesn't have our attention? You're invited to spend 100 days discovering the beautiful, merciful heart of God with Overflowing Mercies, a new devotional by Craig Allen Cooper. The Lord is not ashamed of you or quick-tempered toward your faults. Each one of your weaknesses, faults, frailties, and failures does more to arouse God's love than to stir up His anger. If you could fathom in some small way how warmly God truly feels about you, the faintest grasp of His immeasurable affection would reduce you to tearful wonder and heartfelt gratitude. As God's mercies are new every single morning, overflowing mercies will continue to be a constant well of refreshing comfort, encouragement, and strength. It's perfect for personal quiet times, family and dinner table devotions, and small groups. Let this devotional help you get intentional, stay connected to God, and continue loving others. Order your copy of Overflowing Mercies, 100 Meditations on the Tender Heart of God today at moodypublishers.com or wherever great books are sold.
So what are some of, so, so somebody's like, okay, I got a better understanding of what the Bible is. I have a better understanding of why I should read the Bible or why I should keep reading the Bible because I'm in this Bible reading plan and I'm struggling. But what are some Bible reading tips? Like what are some tips that you give people to help? There'll probably be a little bit of, of banter here because okay. methodologically in terms of reading the Bible, I think there's some different approaches. Yep. Uh, there is one uh, lesson that I learned though. This is my very first day of seminary. If you've ever been a Dallas seminary student, you're aware of this or if you know who Howard Hendricks is. Mm. Howard Hendricks is kind of the the Don, the mm-hmm. godfather mm-hmm. of Bible reading. The Yoda. Yeah, he is. He was just so helpful. I mean, that first class had 300 people and the, the energy in the room was just packed. Um, it was, uh, so for somebody who, I was walking into my first class on how to read the Bible. He, if you've ever heard the terms observation, interpretation, application, uh, that was kind of, I don't know if he came up with those, but that was a, a big part of his method. And I would say the first part of reading the Bible is observation. Mm-hmm. And so he had us go to, I think it was Acts 1.8. I'm going to look real quick. I think it was Acts 1.8. I'm going to read it for us. Hang on just one second. Acts 1.8 says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So he began by saying observation is one of the most important elements of Bible interpretation. Let's read this verse. We read this one verse. It's one sentence. has, you know, 20 words. And he said, your assignment for tomorrow is to come back with 50 observations about that sentence. And I was floored (laughs) 50 observations about a sentence Mm -hmm. like you want me to go that deep spend that much time thinking about how words are interacting it's like there's not even that many words i i don't have that many observations so i went home that night and i just like grinded i was like (laughs) one of my observations was there's a period at the end you know (laughs) like it it was it was i was trying to use muscles that i just had never used before it was a it was a certain level of reading trying to do mouth exercise yeah i was like like, i have no idea what meant. wow so here's the thing we get back to class the next the next class period and i'm just so proud of myself i came up with like 51 i was like that's the overachiever in me right yep and then he said that's great come back with 50 additional new observations for next class. And it was like that feeling of, if you've ever run maybe like a, a, a race or something like that. You yeah, just, I you've, haven't. But, you've, but <laughs> you've had that feeling of whatever you've done, you're hitting the wall. Right. Like, I just can't do that. But I, but I, we, not just I, the whole class, we did it. Mm. So I think the first thing I would encourage people is that we can tend to have very surfacey readings of the Bible and just kind of gloss over some really important details in the text. Spend some time. Don't be afraid to like roll your sleeves up and really kind of engage and observe the, the most minute details in the text. Mm-hmm. I just, so, so like, and that would, that's just kind of, li- I don't want to say literary analysis only, but like if you feel like uh, maybe afraid to do that because you have never done that before, just jump in, write down what you see. But hold on. Come on. Every time you every time you read the Bible, you write down a bunch of observations. No, 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 no. <laughs> of course not. And so there's different okay. ways you to do this. You pick a verse out okay. of the middle I'm of just, a book. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah. I'm just trying okay. to say that I think what he was doing there, yeah. is he was trying to kind of shock us in to seeing things right. that we hadn't seen before. Right, a, like a close, reverent reading of that's the right. text. Right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's important because, uh, and we're going to slip into maybe one of the future questions here that was on the on, on the sheet, but. I, I often see a difference, and in, in Jen, you, you, I, I get worried talking about this in front of Jen because I'm like, <laughs> it's literally just imagine being like, let me, uh, let me talk, to, you know, like it's like talking to LeBron and being like, uh, let me talk to you about basketball. Uh, <laughs> so I often draw. Is that dis- why you're not looking her in the eye? Uh-huh, yep. 
I often draw a distinction between Bible reading and Bible study. Yeah, I okay. hope you would. Okay, cool. You're doing great. <laughs> um, okay, so I often say, um, so like on a given day, okay, uh, uh, I may not do Bible study right. every day. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if this is anathema, but now every week, Bible study is a part of how I'm engaging with God's Word. Mm-hmm. But every day, I'm doing Bible reading. And my Bible reading, I'll say, is a lot less focused on digging in to the text and more focused on letting the text wash over and shape me. Yeah. So I often think about like Bible reading as running water over rocks. The rocks are being formed, but it's really slow and you don't see it real time. Mm-hmm. And Bible study is like digging a well. Mm-hmm. It's like both of the like both of these things are very important and both of them are formative. They're just different. And so for me, my Bible reading on a daily basis, like my if somebody asked me what's the best tip I can give you for reading the Bible, I would genuinely say, I sit, I, I open up my hands. And I say, Lord, what would you have me hear from your word today? And I pray for just a few moments. God, would you speak to me through your word? And then I read through the passage. And whenever I feel the spirit prompt me to, to stop and to pray on something, to give thanks for something, to celebrate some aspect of who God is or what he has done, to confess or to ask God to do something, mm-hmm. I pause and I do that. And I, I move forward. Yeah, I think that's great. I think that's more of a devotional approach mm-hmm. to reading, uh, and and that's fine. I think that's great. Um, there are also just I would describe it maybe as an informational way of reading. There it, there is value to simply just reading and taking in what you're you're reading in a way that you could take a pop quiz over at right. the end of that time. And so JT just described um, observation, interpretation, application, and, and the observation piece. I was not the recipient of those terms when I was teaching and, and putting things together. Like no one told me that was what everybody said. Mm-hmm. And I found it later after I had in, a, in a, an attempt to kind of like systematize what I was doing, come up with comprehension, interpretation, and application. CIA. Yeah, CIA. And so, you know, you I, just I love a good actor. No, <laughs> trust me. I did not Wait, just realize that. No, she, she has branded workbooks. That <laughs> yeah. says but, that. Uh, and so, you know, then I'm like, well, shoot, now I, I'm not willing to abandon my term. But, but also, um, I think what I'm heading toward with, you know, what you're describing, Kyle, is... Um, there's a difference between observation and comprehension mm-hmm. that I'm not ready to wholly let go of. Yeah, They're not unrelated. But just because I observe something doesn't mean it's what I was supposed to observe, right? right? And so there's value in it as long as I understand my observation could be right and it could be wrong. Right. Uh, uh, comprehension is just simply taking in the text in a way that I could paraphrase it or I could outline it or summarize it. So I'm not even suggesting that if you're doing a Bible reading plan that you are outlining or summarizing but I am suggesting that you're reading so that if someone said, uh, well, what was the name of the second king of Israel? You would be able to answer that question. Or, um, you know, how did Saul die? You would be able to answer that question after you had read the passage. And people, I think, undervalue that stage of, of taking in the Bible more than anything else because what we want is application. Like that's the, that's dessert, right? I want, how does this change me? Um, but without trying to earnest, earnestly just comprehend what the story says or what the passage is, is telling me uh, and then move to interpretation application, we're very unlikely to get to an application that is going to stick or that is going to be 
appropriate to the text. That's right. Right. So essentially what you're saying is that <clears throat> when you do the comprehension work, mm-hmm. the fuel for the actual deep and lasting application is there in a way that it's not there. So right. essentially you're, you're not saying, I don't want you to be changed by the Bible. You're saying, I only think that you will get to experience like the most significant and lasting change when you've really grappled with what the Bible said. Yeah, I mean, I think if we put it back in, in the framework of the savings account, when you first start a savings account, you're young and you're not making a ton of money and you're putting in whatever extra you have. Sure. And then as you get older and your income increases, you're able to put in more. And I would say there's a similar I've heard that people can do that. For some, for some people, right. Right. Uh, so, but I mean, but, but with Bible reading, I think, you know, it's, hey, start, start and right. start making, but the place that we start is, is actually a lot simpler, less complex than the place that most of us think we should start. Okay. You don't have to read a passage and come up with a big theological takeaway. Sometimes the starting point is reading the passage and being able to summarize it. Okay. Yeah. I think that's I think that's really helpful I, because what I want our listeners to hear is that you can read the Bible. That's right. If there's anything that we believe at TBCI and Knowing Faith, the Bible is for everyone. Yep. Right. And so, and so, what Jen is saying is, uh, or, or I think what we're all trying to say in one way or another is, if you're not reading the Bible, start reading the Bible. And uh, when you're reading the Bible, try to just understand what's happening there. And when you run into stumbling blocks, what do you do then? Mm-hmm. Let's let's answer one one major question that comes up anytime we're talking about this first or one major statement that is often made. Yeah, I just don't want to do that. Right. I don't enjoy it. I don't want to do it. So how do I want to read the Bible? That's good. Uh, and I think if you think about how you have ever wanted to do anything in your whole life, it was because you perceived a value in it, but initially you may not have perceived as much value as was actually there and you started doing it. Um, and what people will tell us who study learning is that the way that our desire grows is by learning something. It's not just by simply desiring to desire. And so uh, when you start the work, you begin to deepen your interest in what's going on there. And so I get that you, you know, it's kind of like saying, I don't like broccoli. Oh, I have heart disease. You know, I'm going to like broccoli more now. And so part of it is, that was a terrible, dark illustration. (laughs) Well, it sobered us up for sure. Uh. But don't wait for for the want. Um, The want is going to develop as you begin the process. Right. It's like the Puritan said, and this quote's like, it's attributed to a hundred Puritans, but like pray until you want to pray. Right. That's good. Right. Read until you want to read. Read until you want to read. And I And I will say that... um, Struggling with reading is not the same thing as saying, I don't want to read the Bible. Right. And, and, and let me be specific here. When somebody tells me I'm a Christian and I do not want to read the Bible, I, my, I'm typically wanting to try to get more specific. Okay, do you have a hard time reading the Bible? Are you discouraged when you try to read the Bible? Mm-hmm. Do you feel shame mm-hmm. and fear around reading the Bible? And if all of those answers are no, which they almost typically never are, it's always like one of those is typically the ringer. It's like, oh yeah, you're discouraged when you try to read the Bible. Or you feel dumb. Or you Mm -hmm. feel dumb. Then I'm like, okay, great. Let's talk about how we can, how first off, how we can try to dispel that notion and invite you into reading the Bible in a way in which God's inviting you to read, which is just as a humble, dependent person Mm -hmm. that needs the spirit. But the notion of fellowship with God 
is something that the Christian, not uniformly at every moment of every day for the rest of their life delights in, but should delight in. Mm -hmm. So to say, I'm a Christian and I have no interest in reading the Bible would be like saying, I'm married to my wife and I have like no interest in talking to her right. or listening from her, right? Yeah, or I mean... And keep, I don't understand why my marriage is in crisis. Right, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah, or, or to maybe even keep it on, on the theme of kind of, 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 of God. I'm a Christian and I have no desire to be in his presence. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm a Christian. I have no desire to know God in heaven. Like I, I'm okay with the way things are right now. Right. I think if that's the case, then we just have a fund- fundamental fundamental misunderstanding of what the Bible actually is doing in the life of the Christian mm-hmm. life of the church. Yeah. So let's, let's hit some, um, uh, this kind of last question that I want us to deal with. What about devotions? Like, so a lot of people maybe picked up a devotional guide. Mm-hmm. To kick off their year, okay? Somebody gave it to them for a Christmas gift. I mean, at TBC, we gave out Advent guides, Seasons right. guides, which right. have been great in the life of the church to help them devotionally right. understand the season of Or life somebody of got a 365 yep. days, you know, Bible reading guide. Morning and evening. Morning and evening. Yep. These are all good. These are all fine things. Right. Um, what is the relationship between quiet time devotional life, right, and Bible reading? Like, I mean, you can talk about from your own personal experience or concerns that you have or encouragements that you have to give. Yeah, Jen, you might think of this a little bit differently than I do, but but the way that question strikes me immediately is, or the first instinct I have, is like a devotional is almost like hearing a sermon. It's uh, it's good, it's right that God uses it to shape and form us. It's but it's it is coming through another medium, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm kind of using a mediator to help me understand something, uh, whereas the Bible is supposed to be God's mediated presence itself, mm-hmm. right? So if I'm reading Charles Spurgeon, I'm reading our season's guide, or I'm reading, um, you know, morning and evening, it it's something that is, I'm taking somebody else's insights mm-hmm. on what the text is, which are good and right and mm-hmm. helpful because the Bible's always meant to be read in community uh, or it should be understood in community. So again, I'm, I'm not saying that this is wrong in any way, but it, but it isn't my insight. It's not my kind of direct experience with God's communication to me. Uh, so I would say both are important, but don't confuse them with the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I would totally agree with that. I think there are a couple things. First of all, um, devotionals are good, but not all devotionals are good. I think we should be honest about the fact that there's some really cruddy stuff out there that's presented to us as devotionals. And when we think about devotional reading as uh, what JT was saying, it's what someone said about the Bible. Right? Right. And, And so anytime I have time to give to the Bible... I'm usually choosing between the Bible or what someone said about the Bible. Right. This podcast is what someone said about the Bible. Right. A sermon is what someone said about the Bible. Blog posts are what someone said about the Bible. Commentaries are what someone said about the Bible. Now, people are gifted with a gift of teaching or preaching to say what the Bible says and to talk about it. So I don't mean to say that those things don't matter, but there is a there is an important order to how we take in what someone said about the Bible, and that is when we understand what the Bible says. And so um, devotionals, topical studies, all of those kinds of approaches to the Bible assume that you have a foundational understanding of the text yourself. And that's what many of us are lacking because we've grown accustomed to only doing devotional or topical because it, it's easy. We feel like it's easier, right? Yeah. And, and and so I, one of the things that I always ask people to do is to um, take a, an inventory of how they're spending their time in the Word currently, mm-hmm. 
how much of my time is given to devotional reading? How much of my time is given to deep study? How much of my time is given to a reading plan? How much of my time is given to topical study? You might be doing a little of all of those at once. You might take a season where all you're doing is reading the Bible. But the important thing to ask is over the next, let's say over the past 10 years, where has the bulk of my time been spent? And do I need to shift that around? Because if we're only taking in the Bible at second hand, mm-hmm. then we're taking someone's word for it at every turn. It's good. Wow. That is well said at the end. That's a mic drop moment. Okay. La- uh, last thing. Um, I want to just, I want to come back to Bible reading tips. Let's just real quick junk drawer, Bible reading, Bible study tips, throw out like what you would say. So we'll just go around, but and just real quick. Read in community. Okay. And that community includes contemporary, like friends, spouses, roommates, whatever, but also read it with friends from the past. Okay. Uh, creeds, confessions, the church. Community that's, reading. Yeah, that's great. Um, Honor the context. That's probably the biggest missing piece for people. And um, the uh, you've mentioned the Bible Project, JT. It's no secret that we found their resources really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, if you're doing a Bible reading plan, if you just watch that that intro video that they do for each book of the Bible before you start reading uh, and then ask questions of the text based on mm-hmm. that, it will really help you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I say I tell people read it out loud and read it slowly. Oh, that's so good. Kyle. Or listen to it. Mm-hmm. So like if, you, if you're reading Luke 1 in your Bible reading plan today, then maybe in your commute into work or when you're walking around the neighborhood, listen to Luke 1 that day, mm-hmm. read Luke 1 out loud. If you can get multiple readings, one that's quiet, maybe just kind of in the in your own mind and hearing one and then reading it out loud, it just, it's going to feel different. Mm-hmm. So if you can pick it up on a lot of different ways, that is going to help you in your Bible reading, Bible yeah, study. That's great. Anything else? JT, do you know anybody who has written a book to try to like catalyze people to read the Bible <laughs> and help them understand so reading the Bible? I, I do know somebody who, really? has, who has written a book like that. Okay. Wait a minute. I think she's here. Oh my goodness, right here. So Jen Wilkin hey, has a great book, hey. not just for women. It's called Women of the Word, but uh, I often give it out for just anybody looking to it start to study the Bible. It's exceptional. a phenomenal book. Women of the Word, W-O-W. Wow, wow. <laughs> there we wow. go. In full oh, circle. Man. That is an improv trick, and we've done it. Foreshadow. For more information, you can look into the show notes in the podcast description. We'd be honored for you to leave us a podcast review on iTunes or wherever you find your podcast. You can find us online at trainingthechurch.com. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter by searching Knowing Faith. On our next episode, we're going to be introducing the book of 2 Samuel, which is the book we'll be kind of tracing the arc of uh, over this season of Knowing Faith. See you next time. Grace and peace.